Hello and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks the answer to the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective. We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. You can ch- check out this and many other great podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.org. My name is Daryl and the Word of God says from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 32, this Jesus God's God raised up and of that we are witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the father the promise of the holy spirit he has poured out he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing for david did not ascend into heaven but he himself says the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool let all of all the house of israel therefore know for certain that god has made him both lord and christ this jesus whom you crucified Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And this is the word of God. Now we'll get to why I chose that scripture to read in the beginning of the show. Very important. And some of you might be guessing and probably because I I would have titled this, what I'm going to talk about with my guest anyway. So you probably already know why I read that scripture, but we'll, we'll talk about that soon with the guest. But the guest I have today is none other than pastor Michael Bowman, who is co-host with, with, um, Oh man. (laughs) Matt, Matt, Matt Klein. All right, hold on. Hopefully I can edit this properly. (laughs) I should have wrote that down. Either way, it works. That's okay. (laughs) I'm okay if you just remember my name and not Matt. (laughs) He's he's forgettable. (laughs) Sorry, Matt. Yeah, I'll just keep this in here. (laughs) It's Friday. I had a long week. The holiday weekend's coming. So I'm sorry, Matt. Matt Klein, co-host with Matt Klein. Yeah, I'm keeping it in. Co-host with Matt Klein of Restless, a post-mortem on the young, restless, and reform. So, Pastor Michael Bowman, thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I'm really uh, glad to be here. I've greatly appreciated uh, some of your content as we've connected online and just the uh, regular gospel affirmations uh, have been encouraging to me. So, So, thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I find... You know, I always want to encourage people that are on Twitter and that that's why I'm there to to try to encourage, you know, there's so much, you know, stuff that goes on that isn't great there, but that's why I stay. And I've, I've been very blessed by my Twitter friends and I try to have them on the show as much as possible. Uh, so, so for my guests that, you know, don't haven't listened to your show, just maybe talk a little bit about your show and also about you, about your background, uh, you know, maybe even a little bit about how you came to faith and maybe how you came to be a pastor. Great. Yeah. Um, so uh, like you said, my name is Michael Bowman. I hail from La Crosse, Wisconsin, and uh, I am uh, married to my wife, Emily. Uh, I've been married for about a decade and we have four children, uh, Haddon and Martin and Eliza and our newest born six weeks ago on Good Friday, uh, which was a, a fun extra blessing, uh, Warren Athanasius Bowman. And so um, we, uh, we live on a farm here in La Crosse, actually on land that uh, my kids are the seventh generation to live on. So we're very much, uh, you know, rooted uh, where we are. And uh, we, you know, we raise some animals, we raise pigs and sheep and, and rabbits and chickens and ducks and uh, all kinds of fun things like that. Um, and uh, really hope to uh, make that a pretty substantial part of our life in, in a sense, as we seek to uh, have a productive household, but also uh, hopefully help others do the same thing. Um, I'm also then a pastor at Christ Covenant Church here in La Crosse. We're a, a member church of the Presbyterian Church in America. And I've been there for uh, several years now. Um, I want to say I've been at the church in total for something like six years, seven years. Um, and then I've been a pastor for um, three or four years. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes it all kind of mushes together. It was a very kind of slow organic process of me kind of uh, moving up as I finished seminary and uh, interned at the church and uh, became an assistant pastor and, and now associate pastor. And I expect I will be there for, for many years to come, Lord willing. So I'm also, uh, like you said, uh, I guess, uh, 
I co-host the Restless Podcast, where we talk about uh, new Calvinism and the Young Restless Reform Movement and all kinds of stuff that that brings up. <laughs> you know, we mm-hmm. we go a little bit far and wide. Uh, we don't stick with that all the time, but uh, a lot of a lot of our content is is very much within that kind of realm. Uh, it came out of Matt and I, uh, the host of the podcast. Matt and I are friends, and uh, we both had very similar theological journeys. So maybe it's a good way to kind of you know, intro that both of us grew up in uh, evangelical homes in uh, both in the evangelical free church of America and um, both had a very similar kind of trajectory as we, you know, kind of were interacting with some of these new Calvinist leaders, got us into Calvinism, and then have slowly kind of uh, maybe moved into a more historic confessional Presbyterian reformed mold. And uh, so I, I grew up in the faith um, I, I'm grateful for uh, having God-fearing parents, and um, I heard the gospel from a young age. I have, you know, there are generations on both sides of my family that go back uh, uh, many, many years as far as the faith goes, and so I'm very, very grateful to that. Um, now, depending on who I'm talking to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe what tradition they're from, and so how I how I use my words might change. Um, so, you know, I sometimes will explained that, you know, I really, in a sense, came to faith when I was uh, in high school. That's what really when, you know, I would say I, I had maybe the first really uh, conscious faith, right? It's, it was the first time that I, I really came to a, a conviction that I wanted to know God. I wanted to mm-hmm. um, come to know him deeper. And uh, I was, you know, I had a desire to uh, follow after him in a way that it had not been explicit before, um, though I think all of the the seeds of that faith had been planted long before. Great. Thank, thanks for sharing that. And uh, so in the uh, evangelical free church, they practice uh, believer's baptism, correct? The credo baptism? Um, generally. So um, the, the EFCA is interesting because uh, it comes out of kind of a weird mix of, of you know, kind of free church Lutheranism, and then also, uh, you know, kind of the typical uh, second great awakening evangelical kind of movements. And mm-hmm. so um, those things kind of merge to uh, form what is now the EFCA. And so by and large, the denomination today is, you know, it's probably 99%, if not more. Um, I've put it this way. I've never personally heard of a free church that baptizes infants, but I, I'm sure there's probably at least one. Um, but it, Early on, it would not have been as strange, but it has become a much more Baptistic uh, denomination. However, they do, um, you know, because they have that that in their background, they don't bar membership to those who have been baptized as infants. So you would not, if you were okay. baptized as an infant, you could be a member of a church and you cannot be kept from that um, because that, you know, the, the statement of faith does not include a, a belief about the time or mode of baptism mm-hmm. yeah when uh when i i came to faith i was went to a um christian missionary alliance church and we practiced believers baptism now i don't know if that's across the denomination if they do that because i know that that denomination as far as i remember was almost like a merger from like presbyterian uh i know uh ab simpson and I think A.W. Tozer was actually involved in that. And they started as a missionary uh, group. And I'm not 100% on this. So if someone's listening and and knows these facts, don't be like, that's wrong. But (laughs) you you can correct me uh, if I am wrong. Alliance. But I'm not exactly sure how the the practice of baptism fit into that. But I know the specific one that I was at was believer's baptism. And actually, I was baptized uh, as a believer in that church. And I, you know, I thought that was the, the greatest thing. Cause I grew up Roman Catholic baptized as a baby. And so I'm thinking that's wrong. Every form of that is wrong. And for the listeners out there, in case you haven't known yet, we're going to talk about baptism specifically, um, uh, infant baptism, pedo baptism, but also we also in the Presbyterian church will baptize believers as well. So we're not just babies only, which yep. I think sometimes <laughs> people think that, <laughs> which is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, so I've, I've come to find, so I've, you know, um, I think you, you reach out to me in part because I've been putting up, um, uh, just very kind of mm-hmm. short, uh, snippets. I call them reasons for infant baptism. 
Um, and I really started this because where I'm from here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, basically, if you are a Christian, a professed Christian, you are Roman Catholic or Lutheran, um, or you are, you know, some kind of form of evangelical, usually EFCA, because that's just that is the, uh, you know, it comes out of Lutheranism. It just had a large, you know, being a, a very kind of German and Swedish Scandinavian type area of the country. That just happens to be what is here. Uh, but when you come to like a uh, confessional reformed understanding of baptism, it is just like there, nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, especially for those who are, you know, of, you know, many of the circles I run in are very much filled with, you know, kind of evangelicals who have a more Baptist bent. And so um, I started to do this thinking, you know, this is just a good way for me to maybe uh, help my people at uh my church start to think through this a little bit, maybe start planting some of the seeds for uh, what I think is a deeper understanding of baptism for those who, who maybe don't share it. And just a way for me too to kind of work through, I've always had this idea that I'd like to maybe come up with, you know, more or less like a, like a quick reference sheet on mm-hmm. certain topics, right? Certain issues, yeah. um, whatever they might be. And, uh, you know, I don't want that because I want just, you know, here's a proof text for something. I, I want to think deeply about things, but I also want to be able to help people with just a very, um, you know, I think of it, you know, as a farmer, um, as somebody who who has a small farm, I, I think of it as planting seeds, right? Where, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of scattering seeds out there. And uh, each one of these seeds, when it grows to its fullest form, it, it is far greater, far bigger, right? It's, it's not meant to stay in the form of a seed. The telos of a seed is something else, um, but it does start there. This is just those little, you know, I'm just throwing seeds out, scattering them and seeing where they will land in a sense. Yeah. Um, and at, then as I do this, I'm able to maybe construct better in my own mind how I can communicate these things to others. But I, I again, it's just in part because I like people just don't, they don't get it really, right? They just assume, uh, you know, that if you believe in some kind of infant baptism, then you are Roman Catholic of some kind, right? You believe that this right. baptism saves you. And uh, maybe, you know, uh, even even beyond that, it's just, uh, it's the categories to understand um, baptism from a reformed point of view are just not there. And so you have to help people from the beginning. So they might hear infant baptism and think, oh, you've just baptized infants. And mm-hmm. so I think it's almost a misnomer, right? Like it would be nice yeah. if, if our position, you know, when you say, when you, if all you said, right, all you put before people is, you know, do you believe in infant baptism or believer's baptism? I, I think that kind of weights li- rhetorically. It weights things on one side, yeah. you know, it's believer's baptism just sounds better. Um, however, I think maybe if we use something more like covenant baptism or, mm. or something to that effect, you know, yeah. maybe to, to change it. I've also started to think maybe I, I, uh, refer to some of my Baptist friends as anti pedo Baptist, but I don't know if I'll do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> you anti pedos. <laughs> so let's, ha- let's have a, a definition of just baptism itself. What is baptism? Yeah, so baptism, um, I think it's helpful uh, to go to the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith or the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'll start there um, because it's much more succinct. Uh, But the Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, a sacrament, uh, baptism is a sacrament wherein the washing with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit does signify and seal our ingrafting into Christ and partaking of the benefits of the covenant of grace and our engagement to be the Lord's. Now, obviously, that's a there's a lot there, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot that you can uh, unpack with it. So maybe to uh, put it more simply, um, baptism is uh, what God uses to mark out his people. And it's one of the means that he uses then to also sanctify his people. And, and that's what, when, when I started to believe that definition, because I, again, for for the longest time fought believing uh infant baptism pedo baptism at least that part of it because uh, i think it because i was so ingrained with the roman catholic view of it and then coming to faith and then being in a more charismatic church that did believers baptism you know it took a while for god to to show me through the scriptures uh where to land where i land now um but seeing that it is a sign and seal of God 
that then it started to make more sense. And, and then you start seeing it in scripture as that e- even, you know, in acts two, that the, the promise is to you and to your children and all who are far off. And, and, and so that, and what, what helped convince me is hearing teaching like that, that was, that was more uh, consistent with that covenant view as well. Um, so why, with that definition of baptism, uh, why would we, then not just baptize those who profess faith, but also their children. Yeah. So um, if you think about it in maybe the, the kind of very simple definition that I gave, and this is one of the things I love um, thinking about. One of the reasons why it's important to have understanding about is that, um, you know, I can describe baptism in a sentence, right? I can, you know, here's, here's what it is. Um, but at the same time, this is one of those teachings of scripture that you will just continue to learn more and more about, right? Like the, the depth of the, what baptism represents and what it seals, all of the, the glory of what baptism is, keep going, right? I mean, it just, it is, it is this, um, like just, just never ending fountain of, of, blessing from the Lord as you dig in, as you understand more and more how it's revealed to us in scripture. Uh, but as you understand that though, look at okay, what exactly is baptism. Um, if it is what God uses to mark out his people, right? His covenant people, then everybody who is one of his covenant people should be receiving that sign. They should receive that baptism. Um, and so the question goes back to then who is his covenant people? Well, his covenant people are those who uh, profess faith in him and their children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, So children are always uh, included in this. Um, this is hard, I think, for a lot of people today. Um, you'll often hear you know people talk about coming to the Bible and reading it and saying, well, look, I read it. And like what it appears to me as I read it, baptism is this like, you know, personal sign of my faith as I kind of profess faith. And then in response to my profession, I am baptized. And that's not wrong to a point, right? I mean, we would, like you said, we would accept that, um, you know, as Presbyterians, we would say, yes, um, that is sometimes the case, but it's not just that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't stop there. And this is something that, um, is broader than that. As you come to understand it, um, this is something that um, it's, it is easy. I'll put it this way. It is easy as, uh, you know, a 21st century individualist, right? In a, in a very atomized society where, you know, community in the post-industrial world is, uh, community and family are just not things that really have any deep meaning maybe there's sentimental meaning but there's no sense that this is this goes deeper than my feelings toward these people around me um in that setting when you come to the bible i think it's it is it makes sense that you would read it as somebody's baptized after a personal profession of faith and that's it right that's where it stops i think you can get there However, the testimony of scripture um, from beginning to end, especially if you start at the beginning and read it to the end, uh, if you read it left to right, uh, what you get is that the children of those who profess faith are always included uh, in God's covenant people. And they're included then with this sign that is given to his covenant people. You see it uh, in uh, the flood as Noah and his family are brought up into the ark because of Noah's faith in God. You see it in Abraham who is, you know, given uh, what Romans 4 calls a sign and seal uh, of his, of the righteousness that he had by faith. But the sign and seal of that righteousness that he had by faith, which comes to him after his faith, is also given to all of his children and grandchildren and so on and so forth. You see it in the Exodus as, um, you know, families uh, are brought out through the Red Sea all together. Because why? Well, because they are all God's people. And then like you read in Acts 2, this is this is a something that stays the same uh, as you enter into the New Testament. Um, this doesn't change, right? This is something that's actually reaffirmed that the children of believers are included in this. They're included mm-hmm. as part of the people of God. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know that and that's why I didn't just stop at 
you know, and the promises to you and to your children, because that's when, you know, the argument against is, well, no, it goes on. He says, and all who are far off. Yes, of course, all who are right. far off. It and all of that, on. right. And all who are far off as they come to Christ will be, you know, they can be baptized too. We're not, we're not excluding them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and though exactly what you just laid out is what, what convinced me and seeing that and then reading it in the scriptures. And then I can't unsee it now. You know, when, when I, I see that promise to Abraham, I will be a God to you and to your children. Like, of course it makes sense. Like why wouldn't, why wouldn't the promised seal why wouldn't I put that on my, my child? Why wouldn't I raise them in the church as if they're Christians? And I know that doesn't save them. They still have to make a profession yep. themselves. But if I believe that promise, and, and what a beautiful picture uh, it is w- when a child is baptized, a child that, that, that we, we can't visibly see if they have faith or not, but we know that God's promise, and that's the gospel. That's what happened to us. We, we didn't, God chose us. He chose to save us. And then we, we, we outwardly, acknowledge that and repent and, and put our faith in Christ. But, but it was, it's the power of God to salvation is the gospel. And so we see that picture of the gospel in a baptism and, and, and when it's done well by, by a pastor administering it, the pastor reminds us of that gospel. And then we hear that and we see it and it's, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, absolutely. The great, it's, it is a testament to the grace of God that comes before we can do anything. Yeah. Like that's, that is uh, part of the point. Now it's not the only point, right? And that's right. why, you right. know, those who are outside of the visible church are not just baptized just, you know, if somebody just brings in a child off, you know, just off the street, they're not a member of the church. They have mm-hmm. no connection to the church. If they just bring a child to me, I'm not going to baptize them. Um, but, you know, if we do have somebody that professes faith, if they are a, a member of the church, then their child should receive that sign as well. And this is, you know, we all, we all have, I think most Christians anyway, have some sense of the reality that, you know, um, our children are a part of this with us, mm-hmm. right? This is why we teach them. It's why we preach the gospel to them. It's why we bring them to church. It's why when we're at church, you know, we teach them to sing and we teach them to pray and we do all these things. We, in other words, we, we anticipate or we expect that they are going to be Christians, you know, what, why is that? Well, it's because God has saved us and he is a God to us and to our children. Mm-hmm. Now they can reject that and they should be warned about that, right? They should be warned mm-hmm. about, about uh, trampling underfoot the covenant that God has made. But that, mm-hmm. that does not negate the fact that we are supposed to view them for now as, as children of the faith, of children of promise, as, as those whom, you know, are godly seed, those who are holy or set apart from the world. They, in other words, uh, the children of believers inhabit a different category than just somebody out in the world, right? Just some, some pagan that just lives out in the world. We're not supposed to see our children in that same light. Right. You know, what's funny, something that, that helped to drive that point home before I fully uh, committed to the position. I was at a, uh, a non-denominational church and they were doing uh, a child dedication. And as I'm listening and watching, I'm like this, why aren't they just baptizing this child? Yeah, because they're, right. they're saying similar <laughs> things. They're, they're dedicating this, this child to the, the church, having the church that have responsibility to come up and help raise the child. And, you know, as if they're a Christian and, and I'm like, what are we doing? Like, right. so th- like you were saying, there, there's that sense that, that we, we should raise our children as Christians. And, you know, so why wouldn't we, we put that sign and seal that on them? But yeah, it was bizarre. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, right. <laughs> and I'm thankful, by the way, for that inconsistency. You yes. know, um, I think that there are uh, some who uh, maybe are, they are harder toward their children than they ought to be. Because they've been convinced of this idea that, no, I'm not supposed to see my children as, you know, a part of this. So my disposition toward them is they're unbelievers until they prove me otherwise. Mm. Um, whereas I, I think that by and large, the vast, vast majority of our Baptistic brothers and sisters uh, who I'm grateful for, are they, they don't act that way, right? Like, I mean, they, they do expect that God is at work in their children's lives. If for no other reason than the very fact that, you know, the, the sovereign God has chosen to give these children to Christians, you know, like that should, that in itself, I, you know, it's dangerous to try to read providence, but that in itself should be seen as a great blessing, right? A a great, a great work of God as he is raising up the next generation. Yes, definitely. So what, what was something that helped convince you of the position? Because like, like you were saying, you came from the evangelical free church. Um, 
who didn't actually uh, practice um, the, the baptizing of infants. So what, what is something that helps sway you to this position? Yeah. So I, you know, there's, um, there's definitely history within my family of infant baptism. And I don't think that, you know, for instance, in my, my family, my immediate family with my parents, that there was ever like a strong antagonism toward infant baptism, Mm -hmm. Um, probably much less so at least than in other places. I think, um, you know, there, so I don't remember ever having like a strong, you know, kind of revulsion to infant baptism. Although I do, you know, have deep memories of thinking, oh, this doesn't make sense. This is wrong. This doesn't fit. Um, you know, how, how, how can this work? But what really began to change for me was um, the introduction of covenant theology. Hmm. And so, especially because of the young restless and reform movement and the popularization of Calvinism more generally, and some other reformed categories like covenant theology, even though, you know, for the most part, it's still, stayed within a more Baptistic lens, right? So it was kind of an inconsistent covenant theology. um, And they had to kind of, you know, tweak it and change it a little bit to make it fit better. Nonetheless, I was introduced to uh, the very idea of covenant theology. And so once this was introduced to me, and I began to read the Bible as a whole, right, as as though God was working out his gracious covenant with mankind from the beginning, right, From, from, from the start, this was his plan. And as soon as the fall took place, he was already at work. Um, substantively doing the same thing with Abraham and others that he has done with me. Right. So substantively saving them as he has saved me. And, and um, although the, the outward means the outward administration of that grace may have looked a little bit different, nonetheless, it, it still was the same. And so as I began to read the scripture as this is God's word speaking to, you know, me, to us, uh, the church today um, in reading the way that God speaks of his covenant with Abraham and his children, Noah and his children, David and his children, um, right. With, with the Israelites and their children, I will be God to you and to your children. This is something that, you know, I just couldn't ultimately escape from. And so that began to work on my mind and funny enough, uh, what really kind of, what really I think kind of pushed me over the edge in some sense was I was reading in Malachi um, one time uh, quite a while ago, uh, many years ago now, and uh, reading specifically where, um, you know, God is condemning the people of Israel for their faithlessness to their wives. And in doing so, you know, at one point uh, he says this, this is in Malachi chapter two, um, starting in verse 13. He says, and this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? So why why does God not accept this offering? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. And it goes on from there, but um, I just remember reading this and reading this idea of godly offspring, right? Being what God is seeking by bringing these two believers together. Mm. And I couldn't shake the fact that there was no room in my theology for that concept. You know, like the idea of godly offspring just wasn't, that just wasn't even like a part of my theological system at all. And so that really kind of pushed me over the edge where I was like, I have to rethink things. I need to get to the point where, you know, the way that the Bible speaks about the children of believers actually makes sense. And uh, the way that that happens was just actually by, you know, kind of finally, uh, you know, working out this covenant theology that I had started to be taught really to its conclusion. And uh, then once I got there, it was it was done. Yeah, very similar for me. It was, you know, listening to series on covenant theology. Um, there was a podcast series by Dr. R. Scott Clark. Um, I will be a God to you and to your children. That that helps. Yeah, and I then, haven't. I have not heard this myself, but I've had many people now tell me that this is this is where to go. This is where to send people. This is a great series. Yeah, and he had a, he has a whole like resource page on the 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 Heddle blog where the, he has articles and uh, a couple video series talking about the, like the Abraham paradigm and it, it, yeah, it just like opened my eyes and start reading the scriptures that way. And it's like, 
okay, yeah, there it is. And what's funny is I remember when, when I'm going through this phase, like, is it, do I believe it? Do I not believe it? And then seeing on Twitter, people arguing against the position and I wasn't fully convinced yet, but I, I started kind of pushing back on them. Like, no, that's not, that's not what they believe. And so I'm defending the position without yep. actually fully believing it yet. And I start like, wait, maybe I do believe it, you know, yeah, at least, right. <laughs> at least if you're, if you're going to argue with somebody, at least actually argue against what they actually believe. And that's that, that frustrates me when right. I see like, wait, no, we don't, that's not what they believe. But, but <laughs> I, you know, knowing, knowing the context that I'm in where, you know, just generally those, you know, good friends of mine who are believers who, you know, have grown up in a more Baptistic tradition, knowing that like, if I said, I now believe in infant baptism, it would be like a, just like this shocking, like you have left us in some way, kind of a, you know, kind of a way of looking at it. Yeah. I thought, you know, when I first really came to this point and when my first, you know, and I really didn't have to deal with it. Uh, until I, you know, I had my first son and he was going to be baptized. And so I wrote up, you know, kind of a, you know, just a very brief explanation of here's some reasons why my son Haddon is going to be baptized. And, you know, let me explain. And I started, you know, one of the first things I said up front, you know, very, like I bolded it. It was like, you know, I do not believe that in, you know, my son being baptized, he is, you know, being washed of original sin or he's being regenerated by the water or, or anything like that. I do not believe that just because the water touches him, he is saved. And then I ended the whole thing I wrote. And then I ended again by saying this, you know, I am not saying this. And then somebody was talking to me later, you know, a, a friend was telling me he was talking to, you know, mutual friends. And, you know, somebody said to him, oh, man, did you see, you know, uh, that Michael now believes that, you know, children can be saved through baptism or, you know, something like that. <laughs> it was like I said, you know, yeah. I, I was as clear as I thought I could possibly be. Yeah. But I understand because it's just not, you know, it's so it's such a different way to understand the world, mm-hmm. you know, and the faith and everything and how to read the Bible. And so it makes sense to me that it would be difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, you know, this this does happen. So why do you think this is this is still a, a very debated topic within Christianity? Yeah, so I think it, I don't think it's inevitable, um, because I do think that, you know, I mean, this is something that by and large, although um, it may have been understood slightly differently, but at least in its outward form, the fact that children should be included in baptism was by and large the practice of the church for the vast majority of church history. Um, And I really think that there are, there are, different reasons why, you know, it has arisen now. I really do think that a large part of it is simply a modern understanding of an individual um, and and our separateness. I think that a covenantal understanding of family um, is just, it's so outside of our everyday experience. Mm-hmm. And really the world around us is built against it that it's, it's hard to really get into that frame of mind in every way. Um, modern industrialized society has atomized us so that we're, you know, individuals so that we can be interchangeable in various capacities. And, um, it's a really, it's a shame. It's not good. Um, it's caused great damage, I think, but, um, it, you know, in this kind of a world that we now inhabit, this is, I think more the natural way that you're going to understand the text. But I actually think that that is where it comes down to. I think that that the primary issue involved is an issue of hermeneutics. Um, so it's an issue of how you how do you read the Bible? Um, it's it is very difficult when you come from a tradition that teaches you that, you know, um, your personal faith is kind of the center point of everything that, you know, baptism is an expression of that personal faith and everything comes down to that kind of internal experience that you have. It is very difficult when you're in that tradition to come out of it, you know, and it's very, you know, it makes sense. Then as you read the Bible, you read baptism. This is what baptism is, right? This is what I've always been taught. And that's a very difficult thing to, to uh, find a way out of. It is hard. It's, I mean, it's hard for all of us, right? The way that Mm -hmm. we read the Bible is, is so much, um, dependent upon our own cultural context and our own experience. And, and so it does, it does become difficult in that way, but I think it comes down to that. And for other reasons, I think that just how we read, how we, how we understand the Bible, I think probably a lot of it is just the, the traditions that have by and large disconnected the old from the new Testament. Mm-hmm. This is very popular in the American church. It has been for a long time that, you know, there is like the church in Israel they are completely separate 
right? The Old Testament, New Testament, completely separate. These things do not overlap. Uh, but obviously, when you come to read the Bible as it's written, you find, oh, that's not true at all. This is one one story of God's grace working out um, at different times in different ways, and yet it's still one. It's still mm-hmm. uh, all all one way that he's working. And so you can learn from all of it. He, he reveals himself through all of it. And he even teaches us about baptism through all of it, which is uh, testified to in the New Testament, but if you don't have that framework going into it, I think you're naturally going to just dismiss those things. Yeah, and and definitely when when you when you have been brought up or you come to believe something theologically, sometimes you just, you want to hold on to it, and it's hard to to shake that that thought pattern. Um, but you know, we still have brothers and sisters in Christ who who are Baptist. And I'm grateful for them, and and we can learn Absolutely. from them because we have you know the gospel in common. We have that you know our faith is in Christ, um, and 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 I love it. <laughs> I love that you know it's still you know even though there's differences and these are important differences, it's still uh, one church in Christ. Um, yes, and and again we we unite over who Jesus is and how we are saved. Um, so would you mind sharing the gospel with the listeners? We we have listeners that may not be saved, but we have listeners who are. And so we still need to hear it as I, I never, the, the day it gets old, me hearing the gospel is the day I never want to come, never want to see come because I need it every day. So if you yeah. would please give, give us the honor and uh, share the gospel with us. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, you know, um, I will uh, go right back to where you started in Acts chapter two, Mm. when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost and uh, having, you know, described that Jesus is in fact the Messiah. um, He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Mm. Now it says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter uh, and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for this promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Uh, So I know that uh, we may feel somewhat disconnected from that in some ways in the modern world. Uh, But the reality is that uh, the world around us today, the world as it is set up by sinful men, by our own sin, by our own sinning, uh, is a world where we are constantly trying to cover up our guilt and our shame, right? The, the recognition that we are sinners. Uh, we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We try to hide from it. We try to hide it just like Adam and Eve did, right? Hiding from God because of the shame that they felt. And we hide it in all kinds of different ways. Right? We hide it in uh, seeking some kind of pleasure to cover it up right? We seek it in sexual experience and we seek it through, you know, binge watching the latest TV show so that we can kind of escape the world, live vicariously through someone else on a screen for a time. Um, we do it through, you know, success in some way. We even do it uh, through, you know, trying to find some kind of, of hope or righteousness in our families, in what we do, whatever it may be. But ultimately, uh, no matter what you do, I think if you really take a look at yourself, you recognize that it's still there, right? The, the guilt that you feel doesn't go away because of these things. No matter what you do, you can try to hide from it, but eventually it catches up to you, right? Eventually it finds you out. You recognize that you really are guilty, that you're a sinner. You feel ashamed because you've done shameful things. You've done things that, that are uh, indeed worthy of shame. And there are all kinds of ways that we try to then get rid of this, but it doesn't work, right? It, it, it never works. Um, except there is a means to get rid of your guilt and get rid of your shame. There's a means to be forgiven of all of your sin. And that is in the God man, Jesus Christ, who did come. He lived among us. He lived a righteous life and he was killed. He was put to death on the cross for your sin, right? Because of your sin, your sin put him there. Just like Peter says in Acts on the day of Pentecost to these Jews, um, it's just as true, even though you may not have physically been there. Not all of these men were physically there. Not all of these men physically laid hands on Jesus and put him on the cross, but it's your sin that put him there. It's, it's your sin that put him on the cross. And the reality is that even though your sin is what put him there, this was the plan of God. This was his plan from the beginning. Jesus Christ went to the cross 
willingly. He submitted to the will of the father. He was planning this from the beginning. Um, no one took his life. He gave up his life. And he did so, so that you could be forgiven of every one of your sins, all of your guilt, all of your shame, completely taken by Jesus Christ. And he did not stay dead, right? He rose from the dead in glory, in power. Um, He rose in the Holy Spirit. He ascended on high where he sits at the right hand of God, the father. And even right now, this message of forgiveness is going out to each one of us. It's going out into all the world flowing out of us as we then receive that. And baptism, as we've even talked about, this is a sign of what God has done, isn't it? Right. This is a sign as we've testified to of the grace of God before you were ever born. This is, you know, I might not have been able to say this if I was preaching on the day of Pentecost, but I could say it to everybody today that Jesus Christ died on the cross before you were even close to being born. Mm. Right. He died for sin before you could ever even sin. He he was not unaware. He knew what would happen, right? He he knew this was coming. Uh, this is not something that is now taking place after the fact. This is something that happened before you were ever born. And yet this is a testimony to the grace of God. Just as in baptism, one can be cleansed um, symbolically by the water, by the, the cleansing of the washing, by the ingrafting into Christ. Uh, so too, you can be cleansed from all of your sins, washed from all of your sins. Right, made clean, made holy, uh, be given a spotless garment uh, in the blood of Christ. This is uh, the gospel. This is the the truth of our salvation. Um, and really, like you know, we just said, this is a testament. This is what uh, baptism testifies to. It's it's mm. one of the things that it is a sign of. Amen. Amen. And, and listeners, me and. And, and Pastor Michael, pray if you haven't put your trust in Christ that you do. You, you do so today. Today is the day of salvation. And if you have, just just rest in the finished work of Christ. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's the gospel. It, it's the only hope for the world. So, so do so today if you haven't. And then if you've done so today, find a Bible-believing, preaching church, hopefully Reformed, Presbyterian, and then get baptized. And if you have children, baptize your babies. <laughs> So, Pastor Michael, before we wrap up, and, and thank you again for for coming on and and and, and talking about baptism. And yeah, really glad to. Also, you know, uh, I'm on you know I'm on Twitter and uh, other places. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you, um, I here I am, and I I don't really remember my Twitter. You know, I think it's at <laughs> Pastor M Bowman. Uh, but if you find like if you have any questions about anything we talked about here or anything mm-hmm. you you know um, want to discuss more or you heard the gospel and you want to discuss yeah. that more you know, whatever it might be, and you'll feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'd love to chat more about it. Yeah. So here's the fun question. All right. You. Fun question. Not, not that we haven't had fun already. This has been fun. I've, I've really enjoyed myself. <laughs> yeah. So thank, thank you. you. No problem. My pleasure. Uh, Nicholas Kim Coppola. Do you know who he is? Did you have to look him up first? I did. I did look him up because I, you know, you sent this and I, I was like, I don't have a clue who that is. I didn't know if this was somebody else asking a question like a Nicholas uh, that would be asking something of me (laughs) or if it was about somebody. So I looked it up and I, so this is, am I supposed to spoil it or does everybody know? No. Yeah. Everybody knows already, but you can go ahead. Okay. So this is, this is Nick Cage, right? Nick Cage. Yes. Yes. So when I, when I started doing this podcast again, I wanted a fun question. And actually, I, I was inspired by, by some friends. Uh, friends of mine do a, a podcast called Bourbon Bets, and they haven't put a show out in a while. Uh, but but, uh, but they're, they're fun guys. They're Christians. Uh, but, but we have a little chat group sometimes, and we, we talk about like actors and things like that. And uh, Nicholas Kim Coppola came up, Nicholas Cage. So I've been inspired. So I always ask my guests this, and you know, I send them this, this interview um, outline and i always put this at the end and, 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 and some people know so so for my listeners it's the always the last question is fun question about nicholas kim coppola that's all i send them and and either either you know or you look it up or you've heard the show and you know what i'm gonna ask but anyway so nicholas cage here's the question about nicholas cage if a nicholas cage movie hopefully maybe you've seen a movie or not but if a nicholas cage movie was real life what character would you be and you can't be anybody that Nicolas Cage is is playing. So no, you can't be Nicolas Cage in the movie. Oh, so I have to supporting pick a role. Nicolas Cage movie. Uh huh. I have be, to be somebody yes. else in the movie. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh wow. So um, I'm trying to think through. You, you know, it's been uh, it's been a little while since I've seen 
uh, some Nicolas Cage movies. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, uh, what is, I think there's a Coen Brothers movie that has Nicolas Cage. Um, what's, mm-hmm. what is this? Do you remember the name for me? I can't remember off the top came, of my head. Came out in the 80s or 80s uh, and 90s? Probably. It's, you know, he's With got a baby. A, Yes, where they they have to they go and they steal a yes. baby. Ra- raising Arizona. Yes, raising Arizona. Uh, that's just that's my favorite Nick Cage movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I think it's it, absolutely it, hilarious. Yes, yeah. Um, but I don't. The difficulty is I don't remember any characters except for uh, him and his wife in the movie, and so it's hard. It's hard for me to pick somebody in that movie, mm-hmm. but I want to. So I just want everybody to know <laughs> I want to pick somebody from that movie. I just don't remember enough of the characters to right. be able to do that. Um, so, you know, maybe, um, you know, uh, Nick Cage, uh, what else is he a national treasure? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, that's I'm going to pick, go to, yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to pick, you know, the, the father in national treasure, right. I, I like to think that okay. being a father is important to me and uh-huh. he's, you know, he's, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick the father in national treasure. That's what I'll do. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. He, he, he plays a good role in that because in the, in the first one, you know, he's like, you know, the, the nerdy, like, doesn't want to, like, help. He kind of is angry with his son. And then he ends up kind of almost like the hero type at the end. Yeah. John Voight, that's that's who yes. uh, plays that character. Yeah. And uh, he's been in a, lot, in a lot of good movies. But but somebody you could be from Raising Arizona is John Goodman. He's, he's in that movie. Yes. <laughs> young, a young John. They were all young back then. Man, whew. That's this crazy. is a great movie. If you've not seen it, this movie is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I highly recommend it. There, there's there's so many uh nicholas cage movies that you just forget that he's in certain movies you know like there was the one that came out around that same time maybe a little later it was like peggy sue got married and i was like what he's in that movie but anyway. <laughs> but so this that was the first raising arizona of reference we've had on the show right so hey well, i'm that's glad good. i can do we, it we've had a lot of national treasures but no not anybody said the John Voight, the father character, uh, had a lot of Riley. People wanted to be Riley. And in, in fact, the table was turned on me and somebody asked me this question, uh, uh, the last show that, I, that ha- I had on. So that would be two shows ago, if we go by when I released these, uh, who I would be. And I said Riley because I couldn't think of anybody because I was like, nobody asks me the question. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't think about it. Yeah. That's, like, that's kind of cheating, isn't it? Yeah. I should, I should have been waiting. Like someone's going to ask me. But but one of my favorite ones that that somebody gave so far, uh, my my friend uh, Kobe Muncie, who has rural uh, Bible reviews a channel on YouTube, he said Sam Elliott from Ghost Rider, and I always I forgot Nicholas Cage was in Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but so so I'm getting a variety of them, but it's it's fun, you know. And again, for the listening audience, not necessarily endorsing any of these movies that we're saying, we're just having some fun with with uh, Nicholas Cage because he's he's a fun guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a character in himself so but he is, uh, he's an icon really yeah, he is an icon yeah. at this point yeah he would just like take any movie and somebody told me that that um they offered him a role in um lord of the rings and he turned it down because he was doing something else and really I'm kinda, yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm i think to play aragorn and um no oh man i'm man i'm pretty glad that, yeah, so <laughs> i'm pretty glad that didn't work out yeah i i enjoy nick cage as a character but i I cannot imagine enjoying that. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if they would have made all three movies. At that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they would have been totally different feel. I don't know. Maybe he could have pulled it off <laughs> or underestimated mating the, the acting prowess of Nicolas Cage. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Pastor Michael, so uh, you told people your Twitter, Twitter handle. I, I'm so tired right now. Uh, where, where else can they, they find you, find, find the podcast, or whatever else you want to promote? Yeah, um, you can go to the restlesspodcast.com. That's where you can uh, find out more about the podcast that I run. Um, I also do a personal podcast that I don't promote a lot, but maybe I'll start doing more uh, promotion of called Theological Grazing, which is mostly just like my personal notebook where it's just me kind of audibly working out ideas that I've had or thoughts I've had um, and, and doing so, you know, in a way that I can keep them basically, um, you know, I write things down and then I'm like, Oh, I should just, you know, talk these out uh, because I don't have time to work them out in any other form. Um, you can also, uh, if you go to facebook.com slash Bowman heritage, you can find out more about the, 
the farm that my family and I have and probably see some cute pictures of animals and, and my kids. And uh, the church I pastor, um, Christ Covenant Church, you can find out more about it, ccc-pca.org. Um, if you're in, uh, you know, if there's any chance you're in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area, listening to a Presbyterian podcast and you're not already, you know, in contact with the church, hey, let me know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for, for putting that all out there. I'll, I'll provide links in the, in the show notes for that. And also again, Matt Klein, I apologize that I forgot your name <laughs> in the beginning of the show. It has been a, a long week of work. It's been hot here in New Jersey. I was sick earlier in the week. What else excuse can I have for forgetting it? Uh, I'm, I'm about to start seminary. So my mind's all on that. Uh, but, but uh, speaking of starting seminary, I'm asking for prayer uh, for all those out there listening. If you can just pray for me at this process, it's going to be a long process that I'm just starting. And my goal is to eventually plant reformed churches. That's what I want to do. That's what I feel called by the Lord to do. I believe we need more reformed churches. Um, I, need, I want to share the gospel with people and people that hear the gospel need a place to go and worship. So we need more solid reformed churches. So that's my goal. And also, if you'd like to support by by giving anything at all, I will have a link at the bottom. And the link goes directly to the seminary, Westminster Seminary. Philadelphia, and you can donate whatever you want. Always, you know, support your family first and and your church. But if you have anything that you want to to help me with, I would appreciate it. But definitely pray for me because I need prayer most of all. And you can find me at on Twitter at Daryl Updike or at What Are We Even D One. And you can find the podcast at ChristianPodcastCommunity.org and other great podcasts there as well. So until next time, I pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we're even doing here. Grace and peace. And drive safe, Grady. my Baptist friends as anti-Pado Baptist, but I don't know if I'll do that yet. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) anti-Pados. That Michael now believes that, you know, children can be saved through baptism.